The following is the English translation of Pastor Mong Wu's teaching on the Book of Genesis, chapter twenty-one to twenty-two, translated by Ray. Read the Bible every day, so you will be full of faith. So today we are going to proceed to Genesis chapter twenty-one to twenty-two, and in these two chapter, actually, it's talking about how we can let God's grace to keep lingering on us, and also teach us how to live in God's grace and how to. Stay, keep staying in God's grace to allow God's calling and God's promise to speedily、uh, accomplish on us. So now let's first read、uh, verse one to seven. In verse one, the Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as He had promised. So at that time, Abraham he is actually in Gerar. It's at the moment when he is in his、uh, weakness, in the time when he made a wrong decision. However, even in this situation, God's word can still be fulfilled on Abraham, and this is the meaning of grace. So, therefore, we can keep praying to the Lord, saying that, "Oh God, may Your grace and Your favor to be stronger than my own weaknesses, so that even in my every single decision, I can still get hold on You, and Your hands can get hold on me, so that I can keep moving forwards to Your destiny." It will be stronger than my weakness, and every single promise can be fulfilled on me according to what you said. And so, next in verse two, Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God has spoken to him. So, from this verse, you can see it's very important to keep staying in God's schedule. Because remember, Abraham he has waited for twenty-five years. And these twenty-five years, it's only until when Abraham he is so old that he realized that he can do nothing. But it's exactly at this timing when God's dates and His schedule can start to play at work. So, therefore, in this beginning of the day, we can ask God to help us today. I want to live in the right schedule, live in Your schedule to do the right thing and make the right decision. So, next in verse three to four. Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. So, from naming Isaac to perform circumcision, Abraham he has keep on learning the same lessons. That is, he has to do everything according to what God has said. So, remember when Isaac was born,、uh, Abraham was one hundred years old. So, this twenty-five years of waiting is actually the maturation process of someone in God's process. So today we can pray to God that, oh Lord, may you help me to mature faster, to help me to grow faster, so that in every single moment of my life, my all decision can actually makes me grow more mature. Of course, these twenty five years is a very long time for Abraham, but for us, we are not sure whether or not we can wait for a promise for twenty five years. But we can still pray, God, may you help me to in. In every single year of my life, maybe it's one year, two year, five years, ten years. Help me to always stay in your schedule, so that at your appointed timing, your promises can be fulfilled on me according to what you said. Next in verse nine, but Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So here, this laughing is actually the same as ridiculing, and it's basically a bully. So she said to Abraham, "Cast out this slave woman and her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac." So remember, at that time of Abraham, there is still something so called the cult of Hammurabi. 
So the son born by this maid servant, uh, even the master or even the the wife of the master, they cannot just send him away. And so what Sarah did at that time is actually not only considered as unreasonable, but even it can be considered as illegal. Because at that time, there is no Torah yet, so people follow the moral law in the Code of Hammurabi. So this actually put Abraham in a huge moral conundrum. But later on, God immediately speak in verse 12, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So obviously, Sarah's persecution on Hagar is not out of goodwill. But our own human's evil cannot impact on God's goodwill. So as long as we follow what God asks us to do, even our evil can be turned into blessing uh, that can actually bless Hagar and Ishmael. So today, if you are being mistreated, maybe you are mistreated in your uh, marketplace or you lose your blessing because someone did some tricks on you, we don't have to be afraid. We can just come in front of the Lord because and we can proclaim that God even on uh, the evil from human will not impact on your favor on me. So here, even though Sarah is the one who is mistreating Hagar, but God still gives this child who is not born out from the promises, but God still gave him another promise that God will make a nation of him as well so that he can also receive the blessing and have the portion in the promises of Abraham because God is just and he will never mistreat us. So next in verse 13, it says, And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So therefore, in verse 14, Abraham did one thing, that he rose early in the morning. So here, note that Abraham, he has a good habit, is that whenever uh, Abraham is trying to do something important, he always rose early in the morning. That means he has this heart to promptly obey what God uh, has entrusted him to do it in the early morning. So today, we want to encourage you to always uh, respond to the Lord in the early morning, to respond to his message, to read his words. It will become very beneficial for every one of us. So here, Abraham, he rose early morning and did one thing. So he sent Ishmael away, but Hagar wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba because she wants to went back to Egypt and she wants to go back to her hometown, right? So she went southward, but she wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So she put her child under one of the bushes and she sat down opposite to him and cried. But God heard that. Remember, the meaning of Ishmael means God listened. So next in verse 17, And God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Here, God, he proactively takes care of them. He upholds the fatherless and the widows. So for this verse is to us Christians, how can we learn to, to treat others well? How can we learn to help others? It's actually a very important lesson for us as well. Uh, even when uh, our world is being filled with many weaknesses of our human nature, our corruption, our jealousy or comparisons, competition, but even all these evil cannot twist or change God's goodness. So we can also ask God to have mercy on we all Christians so that in our current life, we can keep asking God for, 
for grace that we are will be able to live out his image to be able to treat well to the people surround us and at this also at the same time if we are being mistreated or being hurt by others we can remember that god he will always listen so that we can always speak to him we can cry out to him we can pray to him he will listen and he will provide and he will also unfold and provide the needs that we need in the future so next in verse 18 and 19 it says up Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened his eye and her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So at that time, some of the wells are actually cisterns or reservoirs, while some of them are living well. Because some of the places are just cisterns, so they might be covered by some branches and stones. So that's why uh, Hagar probably didn't see it. So God opened Hagar's eyes so that she can find God's provision. So here we know that actually God has can always provide, but it's up to us whether or not we are able to recognize or see them. And for a people who is always praying to God, God will listen, then God will be able to unfold his faithful provision, his provision in grace to us. So whenever we ask God for grace, Maybe today someone will come to you or maybe an opportunity of a job will come to you or maybe a deal or opportunity will come to you. Then we can pray so that God can open up our eyes to help us to see and this will bring God's provision in our need. So next, God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bull. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So remember, Ishmael was born out of flesh. So when, even though Ishmael, when he grew up, God also promised him to be a great nation. And also he became an expert with the bull. And his mom also gave him a wife from Egypt. And later on, some of his descendants will marry Esau and become Esau's wife. So you can see that all the generations and descendants from Ishmael, they always walk on this path of flesh. So this is very deeply related to something that we mentioned before, that there are two paths. One is the path of Babel, and the other one is the path of the tree of life. We have to make this decision. But it's different from the path that Abraham is going to do. You can see that in the storyline of Abraham, there are many side paths. For example, like we previously had read about Moabites, Ammonites, and now we re read, read about Ishmael, and also later on Esau and Edom. And all these things later on will become the greatest enemy and attack for Israel. Therefore, in our process of sanctification, we have to keep asking God for grace because every single wrong decision that we made, every response out of our flesh, any idea out of our own desire, they later on, they will all become our greatest hindrance and pain in our life. So don't treat our flesh lightly because they will always hinder our grace and they will prevent us from stepping into our calling. So it's very important for us to always put our flesh to death. Later on, the verses it mentioned the treaty between Abraham and Abimelech. And so the emphasis is on verse 33, that Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So here it says, he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Here, remember that previously he called God as the Almighty God, which is El Shaddai. And now he called God as the everlasting God, which is El Olam, 
So now you can see that Abraham, he has a deeper understanding to God. And this is God's uh, gradual uh, revelation to him that now he can understand that God's grace is beyond his own weaknesses. As long as we follow God's timing, his schedule, and God will fulfill his promises at its due location. And he now is also willing to submit to God's command, the command from the everlasting God to separate Ishmael and Isaac, because he knows that Ishmael is from flesh and cannot uh, fulfill the promises, though it's not very considerate for him to separate them, even though it's out of the jealousy of Sarah. But when he do according to God's will, even though it may seem difficult, but sometimes we have to know, sometimes when we are trying to follow God's principles, even though it may not seem very considerate, it may even seem a bit cruel, but God's promise will not fail for those who seem to be mistreated. So we have to learn to trust God's leadership till the very end. Because you can see God also promised Ishmael to be a blessing because he's also from Abraham. Even though he does not inherit the promises, he's not in the eternal promises, but God also blessed him for the blessings in the current life on earth. But this also represents that we have to know that every single decision that we made out of flesh will become a huge hindrance for us to our path towards blessings and promises. So in all these uh, decision making of Abraham, as he is learning to walk on this path of grace, he realized that he learned that God is the everlasting God. He learned that God is the almighty God. And later on in chapter 22, he will further learn that God is the Lord that will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh. His eyes are on us. So we always have these opportunities to know God. Even Hagar has the opportunity to know this God who cares for her. He learned that God is the God who hears. So in every single circumstances, you have to grab hold of the chance. Say that, oh Lord, may you let me to know your words. Let me to know you more. So when we are in the grace, as we keep living in grace, let all these grace that God provided for us to become the stepping stone for us to keep stepping into our calling but rather than uh fallen in god's grace that we forget to his eventual destiny for us so later on in verse 33 abraham called on the name of the of the lord by a tamarisk tree the everlasting god that means he recognized that his blessing is no longer from human but his blessings is always from god and that makes him so determined to seek god and later on in chapter 22, it mentions that God wants to help Abraham that he can grow from the position of grace to help him to further step into the promise to be the father of multitudes of nations. And God also wants to lead Isaac to know God, that he is the God who provides. So Abraham represents the following in faith, while Isaac represents the son that will inherit the promises. So in our life, we have to have both the life of Abraham and life of Isaac so that we will have the faith to make the decision to step out, to follow God and to know God step by step. But at the same time, we also have to know that we are the true son that will receive the inheritance. A true son doesn't have to do anything, but he will keep walking on a path of destiny and the blessing will just come to him. So now let's read how in chapter 22, God how God teach us how to live in grace. So in verse one, 
After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. So the first prayer that we have to do is that God, may you open up my, my ears so that I can always listen even when I live in your grace. So remember, many people, when they are living in grace, in abundance, maybe they have a good housing, good job, uh, good sons and daughters, very healthy, and they are rejoicing, then he be they become deafened to God's calling. So may God help us that every morning we can hear his calling on this. So next in verse 2, he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering, on one of the mountains of which it, I shall tell you. So in verse 2, in the Chinese Union version, there's one word missing in the translation. In original text, it should be, please take your son. So there is actually a please there. And this is how God speaks to Abraham, that it says, please. So remember, as long as in the Bible you see this word, please, either it's in Genesis, Exodus, or book of Isaiah, as long as God says, please, that means God knows that this is a great challenge to men. So have you ever heard God speaks please to you? He asks you please to do something. Whenever we hear these words, we know that God is not just calling or asking us, but we will know that when God asks us to do something that he please, he, he says please to us, he is actually wanting us to know his will deeper. It's actually a critical timing that we can know his love in the deeper level because through offering up Isaac, God wants Abraham to know God's heart. And actually, the location where Abraham sacrificed Isaac is exactly the place where God sacrificed his own son, which is the place where Jesus Christ died for us on the cross. So whenever God says, please, we have to know that this is deeply connected to God's will. It's related to the fact that God wants to elevate, upgrade our understanding to his will. Here we can pray, God, may you help me to be able to hear your gracious will when you ask me to do something with please and help me to have enough faith so that I can respond to you correctly. Whenever you say please to me, I will have this courage and strength that I can make the right decision out of wisdom. So here, God's testing is to remove your beloved Isaac. So what is your favorite one? So if today God's remove it or take it away, what would be your response? Is it, are you able to respond like Abraham? So here in verse three, you can see again that Abraham rose up early in the morning. So as long as you see Abraham rose up early in the morning, that indicates that he has no hesitation in responding to God's command and his words. So he woke up in the morning before the dawn. The first thing he did is to respond to God's words. So he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose arose and went to the place of which God has told him. So it takes three days to arrive at the place where God told him, and it's roughly 140 kilometers away. So in those three days, he doesn't care if there will be firewood in this mountain, so he has prepared the firewood beforehand. And in, while they're traveling, he asked his servants to stay in one place. And the reason he did all these things is to remove anything that could make him feel pain or make him regret or anything that would hinder him responding to God's command, God's request. He will remove all this hindrance so that, and this is the true meaning of what does it mean to put ourself to death, put our old self to death. So today, do you know that God has promise on you? Do you know that today, 
we have our, our flesh and our old self will constantly hindering us from stepping into God's calling and respond to God's command. So today, is it possible for us to try to remove every single hindrance that would prevent us from stepping into the calling or blessings? Or even it could be something that seems good, something that you want to just grab hold of it, that you feel that it's enough and you are not asking for more from God. Oh Lord, maybe I have this, this is enough. I just want this. I don't need anything else. Is it possible that in huge grace you will have this kind of thoughts? If you have, today may we ask God to have mercy on us. Because nowadays God is also dealing with our favorite Isaac in each one of our heart. And when he's dealing with it, he's actually helping us to know his will deeper. And he wants to elevate us to stepping into the calling he has for us. So Abraham, he took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And at that moment, Isaac is likely not a child anymore. He was probably between 20 to 25. So he was actually quite strong. And on the contrary, Abraham was roughly 125 years old. And he took in his hands the fire and the knife. And next in verse 7, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. So here, these are actually some very intimate um, call uh, ways to call each other. Uh, my father, my son. And then Isaac then asked, Behold, the fire and the wood, but there, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So their families, here you can see that Isaac doesn't know what's going to happen, but Abraham knows what's going to happen. So is it... Is there any offering that in your life that if you offer it up, it will actually make you feel painful? If every single offering that we did, that we never experienced this same kind of pain, heart pain, heartache, this sharpening pain, then that means we don't truly know what's the true meaning of offering or sacrifice. We don't, that means we don't really know what's the true sacrifice in love. So as a father, he has to know he has to learn how to offer up the most beloved son, Isaac, and offering him to God. This is definitely very difficult for anyone who is a parent. But today, we also need to believe that when we offer up Isaac, then we not, not just we can step into our calling, but our children can also step into their calling. And actually, sometimes it is exactly our fleshly love that is hindering me and my descendants, my next generation to step into God's blessing and promises. So today we have to, uh, we can ask God to bless us, to help us to really see behind every single request, every single please that God has for us. He wants to help us to understand him and know him deeper. And all his intention is to fulfill us, is to bless us, is to have favor on us and to elevate us. So next, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So remember this word, uh, quote unquote, provide, because at that time it says, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And this is the meaning of Jehovah Jireh. So here it's not just God uh, unidirectionally revealed this to Abraham, that he's Jehovah Jireh. But instead, actually, it's Abraham. He first said that. He first declared that God will provide for us. He first said, he first declared God's character. So that's why God's character can be manifested to Abraham. So dear families, are you longing to know God's character? Are you longing to know that he's the one abundant in goodness, in, in greatness, in kindness, in power, favor, and almighty? 
Are you one longing to experience that he's the one who turned all the bad thing to good thing, turn all the curses into blessing? He makes something out of nothing. So in this case, all the key is that you have to pro proclaim it in every single action in your response. You have to manifest, show that you actually want to know. So in that case, then his glorious characters will be able to reveal to us. So it's definitely not just you proclaim it, then God's character will pour out on you. But instead, it's that you can say, pray that, Lord, I believe and I will respond. I want this. I'm so longing to see it. Then in those cases, God, God's character will be able to fill inside us. So indeed, in verse 9, Abraham did the thing that God requests. Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. So you, here you can see that all God's trial, there is always going to be a boundary. All the trials that God gave, that God is giving to us, it will never exceed the amount that we can bear. So please definitely not say that God has mistreated us or saying that, oh, why am I so unlucky? Don't say that, oh God, why do you treat me like this? Treat me badly. But instead, we will be able to accept it and we will say, Lord, thank you for allowing me to my faith to be elevated in every single trial. Thank you for in through all these testing that me and my sons and my family, we will be we will have a portion in your calling, in your promises and in your glory and in your presence that I can know you even deeper. So I can thank give thanks to you. And this will become our response to God in every single trial. So indeed, later on, God says, for now, I know that you fear God. So you can see every single quote-unquote please, any request that seems to be so unreasonable, it seems like a pain that we cannot endure or a sudden storms in our life. All of these are actually testing whether or not our heart truly fears God. So today, if there are many troubles or many pains in your surroundings, in your circumstances, please don't lose your heart that fears the Lord. Then next, indeed, God will provide, the Lord provide, as he is Jehovah Jireh, he provide. And that he provide because Abraham, he has first declared it. So he says that God will provide. So God fulfill according to his faith. So today, as long as you proclaim according to your faith that God will heal, then God will be your Jehovah Rapha. If you proclaim that God will always be with me, then God becomes your Emmanuel. If you say that, God, yes, I believe I can have victory through you, then God becomes your Jehovah Nisi. So the key is that how I will respond to God in my faith, then God's power, his character will be able to manifest on me. So next, God knows. Then in verse 17, 18, God releases his promises and blessing again. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the stands that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. So their families, all the trials are deeply connected to God's blessing. All the testing is connected to God's glory. Whenever it seems like God is taking back his grace, then we will know that this trial is actually connected to our fear of the Lord. And our fear of the Lord is always connected to God's promise on us. So after seeing all these, do you know how to respond to God? Do you know how to live in His grace? 
Do you know how to extend and continue live walking on our destiny in grace? This is something that we have to learn. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So remember, in all these previous chapter in Abraham, there are seven lessons that he learned to listen to God's、uh, words. So lesson number one: when he went to Egypt, he fell. He has his weaknesses, and God exposed those weaknesses. So he learned that he cannot rely on himself. He shall not just look on look at the circumstances, but instead he shall rely on God solely. And the second lesson is God through、uh, some circumstances separate Lot and Abraham, so that he has to give up on Lot, his kinsman, so that he will learn that God Himself will be his inheritance, his abundance. And next in the third lesson is God through rising up through the battle of the four kings against five. Abraham learned that I have to rely on God, that He will choose not choose the pride and the seemingly blessing from the king of Sodom. But instead, he will choose the blessing and peace from the king of Salem, and he will learn that I will solely rely on God, and I will attribute, ascribe all the glory and blessing back to God again. And the fourth lesson is through the making the covenant with Abraham, and in this process of making the covenant, only God walked through the divided carcasses, and Abraham did not walk through it. And even though there will be birds of prey trying to intervene. There will be dreadful and great darkness falling upon, but he learned how to fight back. He learned how to declare warfare towards the power of the darkness, so that God's promises, His covenant, can be fulfilled on us. So the point of warfare is not whether I win or lose,、uh, but instead the point of warfare is to allow God to participate, to let His covenant be fulfilled on me, and the outcome of the warfare is actually in God's hand. And next, in the fifth lessons, in the process of waiting, we saw Abraham's weaknesses again. Even though、uh, Hagar gave birth to Ishmael, but God also led Abraham to learn to do circumcision. And through circumcision, he is separ- now separated from the flesh, separated from his old self, and he will no longer try to use his own hands to speed up God's timing and His will. And he learned to live in God's schedule. And in the sixth lesson, Abraham made the same mistake again. In Jerah, he lied again, saying that Sarah is his sister after twenty years. So this event is actually to remove his very, very deep shame. Whenever you fail, when you have weaknesses, maybe something, some weakness that you have mistakes ten years, twenty years ago, being exposed, you have to know that this is actually God's healing process. Is trying to heal our shame. Is trying to restore us back to an honorable prince. And lastly, the seventh lesson: God asked Abraham to send Ishmael away, and also asked him to offer up Isaac, as if God is trying to make Abraham、uh, having nothing again. But it's actually God' intention is to let Abraham know that the Ishmael from him will also will also become a great nation, and the one from Sarah, Isaac, he will be the one who. Inherit the promises, but this entire process it has to be fulfilled through sacrifice after sacrifice, separation and sep- after separation. So eventually, all these promises can become one, can come true in Abraham. And actually, these promises will only be one hundred percent fulfilled when Jesus Christ came back again. So these are the seven lessons that Abraham learned in this process. So in the end of chapter twenty-two. There is a recorded genealogy, 
And here it's talk about Nahor and Melchah, the brothers of Abraham. Oh, they have so many child. So actually, these recording of genealogy is a preparation for Isaac because eventually Isaac will meet his wife Rebecca. So here, this uh, gene recorded genealogy is not only recorded that God he now fulfill Abraham. Then in the next step, God is going to establish Isaac. So their families, today we can ask God for more grace and also ask God to give us the wisdom to how to live in His grace and also ask God to help us to learn how to keep stepping into our calling in grace. Amen.